Great seeing you all here today. Uh, it's definitely a blessing to be able to come up and share his word to you. I brought, this is a Bible I've been using, I don't know how long, maybe just three years. Might have a date in it. I forgot about that. Anyway, the last two or three years, this has been my Bible, ESV Bible. I just wanted to lay it there because this, as the older I get, the more I realize that's the most important thing in my life is the Word of God. The most important thing. When I get up in the morning, I think about it. When I'm driving here, doing the speed limit and worshiping, I think about it. When I'm sitting with my doll, I think about it. When I wake up at night, I think about it. It's just filled. I mean, when I open this Bible up, there's so much color. It's like Pete's guitar. When I open the Bible up, my heart looks like Pete's guitar. It's powerful. Powerful. It's just incredible. The Word of God is so life-changing, so exhilarating, so loving. So it's amazing. It's 66 books within the Bible. I found out it's 1,189 chapters in the Bible. It's 31,240 verses in the Bible. It's incredible. It's incredible. And then check how many words are in the Bible. I Googled it today because I never thought that out. And I worry when I ask my Bible something, I don't know where it's coming from, but it told me 789,650 words in the Bible. That's unbelievable. 789,650 words in the Bible. And I asked Jason to put it up there and and Jason said, hey, we should end it like this. It's so true. Forty men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit during, and I've heard a couple dates, 1,500 years, 2,500 years. I don't know the answer to that, but I know it's from God. I know prophets didn't speak from their own human will or human desire or what they thought about uh, or what they heard, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit as they written every word in the Bible. And it's like my goal the rest of my life is to pour it into people, get people to realize. You know, I had the blessing of sitting with 12 or 13 teenagers the last hour. You know, I'm thinking about why should we read the Bible? And you can find the answers in there. There's plenty of verses about it. Why should we go to church? It's all in there. Why should we love? Why should we forgive? <clears throat> Why should we spur one another on to love and good works? It's just incredible. The Word of God is incredible. I started a series last Sunday called Truth or Consequences because I feel like how we look at the truth, especially in this generation, there is so much lying going on in this generation. I'm not going to sit here and tell you where it comes from because you should know where it comes from. But there is so much lying going on, but we know where the truth is and there are consequences that are going to happen in your life, whether you choose to live this truth or not live this truth. And when I first brought it up, I think it was Keith and Elizabeth. I said, oh, I want to talk about truth and consequences. Keith said, well, there's bad consequences and good consequences. Because usually when you hear the word consequences, you automatically go to the bad. And there are bad consequences. I'm going to get into that next week. But today I want to talk about the good consequences, praise God. It's beautiful. Last week we looked at a conversation that Jesus had with the scribes and the Pharisees in John chapter 8. I just want to recap three verses because the word truth came up in that conversation he was having in John chapter 8. Verse 31 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Great two verses. You know, I'm sure it's been spoken a lot from this pulpit by different people. But the words that hit me in there is abide. Abide. What does that look like? Abide means to remain, to continue, to stay in his word. That's what abide means. Truly means exactly. Truly means accurately. Truly means correctly. So if you abide in his word, and I guess I'm supposed to ask you, are you abiding in his word? Every day do you wake up, do you think about his word? Because that's what sets us free. That's what gives us hope and peace in our life. That's what helps our marriages. That's what helps us at our job. Everywhere you go, if the word is, if you are abiding in the word, you're going to be free. Free to understand the truth. Free not to be 
pulled into lies. It's unbelievable. Verse 47 said, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So if you ask yourself the question, am I really truly abiding in the word of God? If I am, I'm going to hear from God. If you're not, you're not. And if you're not hearing from God, you're going to have to go to someone else or something or some drug or some whatever to give you hope because you're not hearing from God. And the first thing I put in your listening, God, I really think it's okay to search for the truth. It really should be a lifelong passion, a lifelong goal that you should have. And I want to know the truth, man. Because the Bible says if I know the truth, I'm going to be set free. It's powerful. Now, the second message from this series came from a song. And if you know me, usually what happens is music constantly going in my mind. And this song came from Chicago, came from a song I've been searching so long. I'm sure Pete has heard it, played it. He might have helped wrote it. I don't know. But this song, to me, when I looked at the words, it came into my mind, and I forget when it was. Maybe it was when you were giving me five or one for breakfast. That came into my mind uh, searching so long. Check out these words, because I really think these words, and, I'm sh and I don't know where the writer was when he was doing it. I don't know what he was smoking when he wrote it. I don't know. But to me, when I heard the words, I really think it's a song about someone accepting Christ and realizing that when you know the truth, we become Christians. Hear the lyrics. As my life goes on, I believe. Somehow, something's changed. Think about that. Somehow, in 1981, my life changed, and I realized this is where I went from the truth, to go for the truth. Somehow, something changed, something deep inside, oh, a part of me. There's a strange new light in my eyes. Have you ever met someone who received Christ? Their whole complexion, their whole outlook is different. Something, some, there's a strange new light in my eyes. Things I've never known. Changing my life, changing me. All right. I've been searching so long to find the answer. Now I know my life has meaning. And that happened when I received Christ. My life had meaning. Now I see myself as I am, a sinner. Now I see myself as I am, one who has fallen short in their life. And then he writes, feeling very free. And I thought to myself, why? Why am I feeling free? Because the truth has set me free. Think about it. Because the truth of God's word is what sets me free. And then he goes, life is everything. Oh, it's meant to be. And then something happened last Saturday, and it's happening more and more as I fill myself up with the word. I call it confirmation. It happens to me all the time. It might happen in a prayer time. might be having a community group. might happen at home. might have driving in the car because we walked into, uh, what's the name of the... Leesburg Market Street Deli last Saturday morning, not yesterday, but last Saturday morning, we walked in there, sat down because they had the best, uh, what's the name of the soup I like? Clam chowder, praise, it's excellent. So we sit down in there, and they're playing music, and what song comes on? I've been searching by Chicago. I've been searching so long. And tears come in my eyes, and I look at Kathy. Kathy, that's the title of the message two weeks from now. Hey, that's pretty powerful, man. Right there in that restaurant, out of the millions and millions of songs that have been written, I sit down in there, and they're playing I've Been Searching Little Long by Chicago, which came out on Chicago 7, if you're keeping track of the number of their CDs. Praise God. I don't know. You'd have to Google it. I don't know. No. I would say it's about 1975, because Kathy and I were driving to her house. From, no, maybe 74. Look it up, Pete, when it was released. 74, praise God. 1974, met her, college, driving to her house for the first time, going up Route 81, pulled out on the street. Oh, there's a record store. I think Chicago has a new record out. Went in, brought double album, leather cover. That's all I need to tell you. Praise God. Boy, my gosh. See, I still have a memory. But this song, the more I thought about it, 
made me think about Paul. Because think about it. When we first hear of Paul, his name's Saul. We're in Acts chapter 7, and they talk about Saul. And this was Saul before he knew Christ. It says in chapter 8 of Acts verse 3, but Saul was ravaging the church. And I looked up ravaging means to, to work havoc, to damage it. He was ravaging the church and entering house after house he was dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. That's Paul who wrote how many books in the Bible? How he started out Saul going house to house, taking people out and sending them to prison. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. Now they want to take house to house and take your guns. I'm not going to go there. But think about it. After the Lord got a hold of his heart as Saul... He became Paul, and what does he end up doing after he has this word of God in his heart? He goes from town to town sharing the gospel. He came from house to house taking people to prison. Now he's gone from town to town sharing the gospel. Some truth for you today. You have been chosen to take the gospel. You have been chosen to carry the truth which is the gospel. In Acts chapter 9, when, when uh, the Lord meets him on the road to Damascus, he's blinded, and in a vision, this guy named Ananias, don't ask me how to spell it, he comes to Ananias, and he says to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. That's powerful. And that's what happens when you hear the truth and acknowledge the truth and receive Christ in your heart. The Holy Spirit comes in you and all of a sudden you are a chosen instrument of mine to carry the gospel. And can I tell you something? That is a verse for everybody sitting in here today. You are a chosen instrument to carry the gospel to the Warrentonites, to the Prince Williamites, to the Falkyrites, to all the ites. You're supposed to carry it. it may, a couple people might have figured where that came from. I saw a key smile. Praise God. He realized it. But that's what happened. So how many people here today have been called as a chosen instrument to carry the gospel? How many people? I'd like to know. That's powerful. Because every one of us have been called to be a chosen instrument to him. Now, the first seven verses of chapter 1 in Romans, I think, is the good consequences, all right? And I realized, never realized it until a couple weeks ago, before we went to the deli, that the first seven verses in chapter 1 of Romans has no period for 132 words. There are 132 words inspired by the Holy Spirit through Paul to write Romans without a period. Here we go, verse 1. Paul, comma, a servant of Christ Jesus, comma, called to be an apostle, comma, set apart for the gospel of God. And that really happened on that road to Damascus that we just talked about in Acts. So he starts that verse first out to tell him about himself. He's a servant of Christ. And you need to think about, you know, got to do Bill Clay's celebration of life last Sunday, and we pressed him on to heaven, and I thought to myself, every one of us are going to have that day. What do you want to write on your tombstone? Paul, he wrote, a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So he starts out with who he serves, who he follows, and that's where it all starts, the gospel. And I asked the teenagers in here today, where can you go in the Bible that talks about the gospel? Now, who's going to raise their hand as a teenager? And you'll get, well, I don't even know if there's any donuts left because they've eaten them all. Praise God. Got a Chick-fil-A gift card for the teenager that's going to raise their hand that learned where in the Bible today that is a talk about the gospel. Who wants to do it? Who wants to do it? Kayla, all right. Excellent. She takes notes. She carries a thing. You just won a, yeah, Chick-fil-A. I was going to say a $12,000 car, but <laughs> praise God. For I delivered to you as of first importance, and I forget who read it in there. might have been Lily. I can't remember. 
as, no, it might have been Eric. I can't remember anyway. For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received. Here I am. I can remember 1974, but I can't remember a half hour ago when someone read it. That's pretty bad, man. Praise God. For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. You notice how they get the word in there? That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, Paul's 132-word sentence continues on, and, and I, I can tell that Caden and Nick and Justin, they're just so excited. Let me hear the rest of the, the sentence. Come on, tell me the sentence. He goes on in verse 2, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was a descendant from David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God, in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's truth from God's word. Those are words from the 789,650 words. It's truth. The central figure of the gospel is Jesus, and that's where you find the truth. Now, this series is about truth or consequences, and God has called you or he has chosen you to be an instrument of him, and you've confessed of your sins, you repented of your sins, you received him as Lord, and now Paul's going to tell us the good consequences that happened from that on in verse 5 of the 132-word sentence. Through whom we have received grace, there's a consequence, of receiving him, of, of dedicating, surrendering your life to him, here's a good consequence of that. You receive grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. So when I read down thinking, you just can't say you're a Christian because a lot of times we learn the right lingo to say, but we have to live it out. It has to be that obedience of faith. That, that bears fruit and shows that you're a believer. And the rest of the verse says, for the sake of his name. The apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name. And then I thought the question, where? Where among all the nations? Who, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ? So an apostle, how do you describe an apostle? There's one who are followers of Christ. And they bring the Christian message into the world. So we ask ourselves, and I ask every week, have you been called? Have you been chosen to receive him? Because that has to happen to you before you can answer that calling. Now, Paul ends his greeting in verse 7 of Romans chapter 1. It says, to all those in Rome who are loved by God, called to be his saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. 132 word sentence to start out the book of Romans. So I want you to understand how important truth is because that's what all this is about. There is so much stuff going on in our nation right now that is untrue, not real. And it's sad. It's just sad to hear. And there's going to be consequences for people who don't believe in Christ, which we'll get into next week, and consequences for those who believe in Christ. And for those who believe, we receive that grace, that unmerited grace. We receive that uh, salvation that, and the Bible says that no one can snatch him out of God's hand. Praise God. Now, line up the words and actions with truths that are in the Bible. For the rest of your life, whatever you say and do, Line it up with the word of God, and you'll know where the truth is. David said this about the Bible and truth. Check these verses out. He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. Psalm 25, 5, I thought, man, this is a great prayer. John and I were talking about prayer. Here's a prayer. Let's read it together. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Isn't that beautiful? 
wait upon the Lord. He'll give you strength. He'll give you wisdom. He'll teach you. Psalm 86, 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. So when you hear people say, my truth might not be the same as your truth, they're lying to you, man. They're lying to you. The only truth we can find is in God's word. Lead me in your truth. Teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, for I wait all day long. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. And the last one I thought, Psalms 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. That's how important truth is. We have to have it in our mind, on our lips, in our heart. John 4, 23, Jesus said this, but the hour is coming and now is here. And boy, is it here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Think about it. And maybe that's an answer for what we were talking in the teenager today. Why do we have to go to church, man? Why does God call Sunday the Sabbath? And why are we supposed to go to church? Because we want to be the true worshipers. We want to worship him in spirit and in truth. So important. The Father's seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And I pray that through the coming days and weeks and months and years, that you'll have an opportunity to share that truth. That you'll know where the gospel is, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. The commentary stated about that verse in 24, a place of worship is irrelevant, it said, because true worship must be in keeping with God's nature, which is spirit. In John's gospel, Truth is associated with Christ, a fact that has great importance in the proper understanding of Christian worship. Now, I started with the verses uh, from I've been searching so long. Let me give you the end while the band is coming forward. At the end of the song, the writer in Chicago writes this, When my days have come to an end, I will understand what I left behind part of me i've been searching so long to find an answer now i know my life has meaning whoa little less than two weeks from now on february 1st will be my 15th anniversary here it's unbelievable that god has had me here for 15 years i'm excited about that i'm excited for the coming days coming weeks coming months i'm excited what he has in store for us but i'll tell you something we won't be able to go without the truth. We won't be able to, to worship him in spirit and truth without the truth. So important. So I changed a verse. You want to come up, ushers? Which you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to change a word. But I made a Nick verse, Acts 9, 15. Because I felt like, but the Lord is saying to the CCF family here today, Go. For you are a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the people, before the Gentiles, and all those who the Lord will bring in your path. Praise God. Next week's message is called, It Could Happen to You. When you see Dana Jordan, ask her which group sang that song. Father, I give you the glory, Lord. I thank you for your word today. I thank you that we can come here, and the reason why we come here is to worship you in spirit and truth. Father, I ask you to bless our offering today because that's another reason why we come here, is to share a portion of what you have blessed us with so we can further your kingdom here in this your building, in your church, Father. So I ask you to bless the givers, Lord. I ask you to bless our altar time here, Father. I love that song. Come to the altar. It speaks so much truth to us, Father. Give us a hunger today for your truth, Father. Give us a hunger to get into your word and spend time in it and meditate it on day and night like Keith was talking about from Joshua 1.8.
So we will be careful to do everything that's written in it. And then we will be prosperous and successful. Who doesn't want that? I want to be prosperous for you, Lord. I want to be successful to you. And to me, that means sharing the gospel. That means more people coming to know Christ. That means more teenagers being prepared and ready to go into their schools and speak truth and live truth so that we can make a difference in this generation for you. Why? Because you have called us as a chosen instrument to share your truth in this generation, Father. And boy, that they need it, Lord. I give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, ushers. Blood 
do not let this book of law, I will say Genesis to Revelation, depart from your life, depart from your mouth and your life. Yes, that's what I'm trying to prove. So that you can be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Haven't I not commanded you, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you everywhere you go. So, and it's been ringing in my head because of, you know, Bob, what you're saying. We should not be terrified. We should not be discouraged because we know, ultimately, who is in control. But we have to do our part, too. So, uh, January 19th, can you believe it, 2020? Oh, my goodness. So, do you guys have a word for the year? I, I picked my word. Uh, mine is reset. Uh, reset. And it's been confirmed to me in many different ways. Even Lisa has seen stuff on, even on TV. You know, it's, it's my words, reset. I didn't expect to have this reset. But, uh, yeah, so let you know, I just, uh, Lisa and I went to a funeral. We went to lunch. Um, nice, bright sun. Taking off my sunglasses. And I had a warning. My wife warned me, watch out for the stairs. And I fell kind of down the stairs, and my foot did not go with me. It kind of bent forward, and that something went pop, and I did not cry. I wanted to. I did not cry. <laughs> but reset. Reset because uh, I started the year fasting. Well, I waited till the second because, you know, the first is the first. But the second I started fasting uh, for many reasons, physically, um, it's awesome to fast. I fasted two and a half days without any food, just water. After that, I went to juice because it just resets your body. I mean, the organs love not being fed. Go figure, because usually we feed ourselves with not good stuff. So it just resets your body. Um, spiritually, because I hunger for the him, uh, the real food. And I needed to be reset because um, I'm actually journaling. Lisa and I started the Daily Walk. It's a uh, devotional Bible that um, is awesome. I highly recommend it. It is eye-opening. Um, you see things that you that I've never seen before, and that's what I want to do this year. I want to see things I've never seen before in him. Uh, reset financially because now tax year again starts. Um, so I reviewed, because Eric Kovacs talked about review. You know, review, well, I reviewed last year, and I'm a numbers guy, um, and I give him all the credit and the glory that Lisa and I uh, gave 18.4% of our income last year to not just the church, but giving, and that's net, okay? Um, and I, I'm always looking for opportunities. We are always looking for opportunities to give more. Um, so reset. Our, our church, and I've always seen my life mirror this church. Our church is resetting. Um, we had a great uh, meeting uh, with some of you a few Wednesdays ago um, to hear your hearts, and, and we want to do that more. Um, I, you know, communication, I've heard that word a few times today. You know, we need to communicate with each other a lot better, and I will apologize for my part of not communicating well to you, but I encourage you to communicate with me and, and the leadership of this church. If something is on your mind, come and talk to us. I, I have, we had a great uh, meeting with a few of you uh, last Thursday um, because when you don't communicate, things start going on. Uh, it's like the desert. We are human beings, and the, the Israelites started grumbling because they didn't communicate. They didn't communicate and see what 
the plan was, and I will tell you, I really don't know what the plan is. Thank you, Nate. <laughs> uh, but we are, we are praying. Part of my fasting when prayer was, okay, God, what is your plan for this year for this church? Uh, I, he did not give me an answer. Um, maybe one of you has the answer, and you need to communicate that to us. Uh, we're going to talk about our, our finances for a second. But, um, and I'll just say, you know, one of the things, and it's always been, we had to reset to see where we're at to go forward. We, we as a church, are going to, in faith, tithe. We, don't not, we do not know what's going to happen, but we'll put all of our faith in the Lord, know that he is the great provider. That song that we sang, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. So in faith, what we do is going to actually do what we ask you to do. Look at your finances and what you've brought in, and then tithe and see what God does. Um, so yesterday, I received a, I get a, a daily devotion from uh, Rick Warren, and this is for the church and for us, okay? Uh, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm, I'm asking you to point a finger at yourself, to look at yourself, and let God work. And the title is, You Cannot Afford Not to Tithe. If you want God to bless your finances, church, individually, put him first in your finances. This is called the spiritual discipline of tithing. God is specific about this habit of giving the first part of your income back to him. And it's Malachi 3.10. Bring to the storehouse a full tenth of what you earn so that there will be food in my house. Test me. In this, says the Lord All-Powerful, I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings you need. It's the only scripture in the word of God that says you can test God. Rick Warren says, obviously God doesn't need your money. Why is he even saying anything about tithing? Because he wants what it represents, your life. God is testing your faith. He's testing your priorities. He's testing your gratitude. When you give your tithe to God, it's gratitude for the past. God, I wouldn't have anything if it weren't for you. It's prioritizing the present. God, I want you first in my life. And it's a statement of faith in the future. God, I believe you're going to keep your promises. Tithing is a test, a test of your trust. Do you trust God enough with your money to say those things to him? God tests us because he wants us to become like him. He is the greatest giver. And when we show that we are trustworthy with our finances, we become more like the great giver. A great uh, CEO said, you need to tell people that the best time to start tithing is when they are in debt. Let that sink in. I can tell you that Lisa and I, when we started tithing, we, the world would say you cannot afford it. And I can tell you, God provided. And he's still providing. I can show you, because I've quickened, my, my finances are laid out, and it can show you in the future what it looks like, and it all goes down. Because my tithing is in there, and all of our expenses, but somehow the bills get paid every month. It's just one of those things that I can't explain to you because it doesn't make sense. Tithing can be especially difficult when you're in debt, but if you want to get out of debt, you're going to need God's help. So honor him by putting him first through tithing. You may think you cannot afford to tithe, but you cannot afford not to. If you want God's blessing on your finances, you need to put him first in your finances. There's another uh, um, thing that was brought back into my head. Uh, do you want to be a conduit or do you want to be a barrel? Are you a conduit 
conduit or are you a barrel? And a conduit is something that runs through. So God's blessings, do you want God's blessings to run through? Because bottom line is, if you want to see God's blessings, you need to be obedient. It's not that your life, it just depends on the life you choose. Um, so a conduit, blessings run through or whatever it is, your gifts, your time, whatever. A barrel stores. So do you want to store where, where God says, you know, where, raw, uh, where it rusts and moss destroy? Or do you want to bless people with what he has given you? So on the sheet there, it shows the updates of what, where we are right now. Um, you all can read as well as I can. Um, if you have any questions, you, we still have five minutes until officially we're done. Yes, so if you didn't hear me before, we are looking whatever is brought in to the storehouse. We are giving 10% to the missions that next month. So at the end of January, we see what was given in January. Our, our bookkeeper, um, Candy, will take 10% of that and give to the mission field of all the uh, places that we give to. And we will give you updates as we continue on. <laughs> yes, I did read it. <laughs> I heard, I heard. So any, any questions at all? Anything I, that's on your heart that doesn't have to be financially related? Yes, Rachel. And I do online giving, so it just flows through the conduit. I don't even, you know, it's all smoke and mirrors anyways, you know, our, our money. Yes, Rachel. Test, test the Lord. He's been faithful. I, I um, still amazed of what He's done uh, in our family. Uh, the blessings. I mean, there's. It's it's not explainable. I mean, I could spend the rest of the day to tell you all the things that He has has shown and done, and been uh, to our family. I mean, it's yes. Thank you. That's what it's all about. That's we are family. Now we were talking in youth this morning. Uh, all part of the body. One part of the body is hurting. We all should be hurting. Um, that's just the way that God designed. I mean, was that a wave?
uh, we're always looking for ways to serve the community, definitely. Um, yes. Yeah, Feed Warrington's coming up, and, and everybody can get involved in that. It just doesn't have to be the youth where, you know, again, uh, all of you looking for opportunities where we can serve our community and be uh, invested more. I mean, that's, that's our biggest failure, and I will admit, um, is the go. Um, I, I, um, uh, I think Holly, I think it was Holly Everton that was talking about what we used to do, community changers, for those of you who don't know. Um, and that was a huge thing that we did years ago, but uh, God told me to stop uh, because nobody else would step up. I mean, it was great for um, events in a season, but there was so much more work to do after the Saturday that we served. And uh, I have a family, and my wife reminded me I have two children. So because they became, besides a full-time job, a full-time job. So two full-time jobs don't work usually. Anybody else? And I ask, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, you do? Okay. And, and during that time, actually, I asked Job to fire me from my real job to do this job, but he said no. I just wanted to give an example. I've told this to several people in the church about when I was young, which was 100 years ago, and we first bought our house in Manassas. And... Um, at that time, we were, we were Southern Baptists, and I'd been Southern Baptist for 50 years. And they have, um, each year, twice during the year, they have special offerings for missions. And so it was time to give for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And uh, I told God, I said, we did not have enough money in the bank to make our mortgage. And I told God, I said, God, if you just give me a job, because I wasn't working at the time, then I'll give a certain amount for each bedroom that we had in the house. And God said, you give first. And that was the hardest thing that, that I had to do was I had to be faithful and give. And that week, I got a temporary job making 10-something an hour, which was a lot of money back in those days. <laughs> so like you were saying, you know, if, if you're in debt, give. So true. Um, um, was that? I think it's in Hebrews. You know, in faith, the uh, the writer goes over all the the guys that in faith they obeyed God, and he, they were blessed in faith. I think it's Hebrews twelve, eleven. Anybody else? One potato, two potato, three potato. I'll close in prayer. Father, uh, thank you for uh, today. Thank you for your word, your truth, uh, because the truth does truly set us free when we live in it, when we abide in it. There's so many uh, um, over and over again, and John, it talks about abiding, abiding in you. Uh, let us abide in you uh, today and forevermore, knowing that uh, you are true life. You are the true way. I just pray uh, blessings over this entire body, this congregation uh, that you have gathered here, uh, that you bless them in, in every way that you promise. Let us rely on you, trust in you, knowing that you are in control. There'd be chaos around, just like the disciples in the boat and the waves and the wind is blowing and uh, our Lord is sleeping and everybody else is fearful. And you get up and you say, be still. Let us trust in that, that everything around us can be in chaos, 
but you living in us can help us be still and know that you are God. We are here. We want to be uh, molded and, and refined and defined by your will and your way. We know that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Let us step in faith, knowing that if we follow you, we are in your will. So we thank you, Lord. Let us uh, go out of this place declaring your glory and so we can come back and hear your story. We love you. We thank you. We trust in you. In Jesus' name, And we all said. Shattered in a thousand ways, they took